What are your perceptions of health and wellness? Of what's healthy and what's not healthy? As someone like myself who's been in the exercise fitness business for almost 20 years, I've seen a lot of ups and downs in how we perceive health and wellness and what our ideas of being fit means. My guest today is Kara Foley, and Kara has lived many lifetimes within lifetimes of fitness and wellness, from being incredibly fit in all the dimensions to taking time off to really let her body heal and explore what being well means. Today, our conversation dives into a myriad of those components, of those discussions, and where the industry is today. So I encourage you to check out the conversation that I had with Kara Foley. We are back on. Kara, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and you know, it's I don't always do morning podcasts, so uh, this is a little different for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's your day going so far? Well, I can't complain. I'm in Costa Rica, so I went surfing wow. and then I had some breakfast. Yeah, it's pretty. Way good. to just pour it down everybody's throat. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Snowstorms at home, and I'm surfing. <laughs> yeah. Where are you from again? Where Where's your hometown? Uh, or? Canada. Ontario. Oh, yeah. That's got to be cold mm. there. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, last time we talked, um, kind of a pre-interview thing, you had mentioned kind of a, I got from it, this many lifetimes of health and wellness that you've lived. Yes. Uh, and I would love to just start at the beginning and let's roll from there. You know. Okay. Yeah, so um, I guess I had my first start in the wellness industry at the age of 16. So that was when mm. I got my first job in a gym. So it all kind of started there and just diving in and, you know, realizing, okay, I want to work in this field, but I don't necessarily want to be doing it, you know, working in a gym my whole life, which is perfect mm -hmm. for some people, but not for me. And then, right. you know, looking at how and and, you know, what way you can take that. Um, so I continued to work in that industry as I was going through school. Uh, so with a bachelor's of kinesiology and a master's of physical therapy. And I still, I still teach spinning and I teach yoga, but I've definitely kind of left the personal training behind. But that it's you know, it was a really cool journey. And it took me, you know, to working with Canada basketball feeder league and, you know, training those athletes and training national level athletes, which was super fun. Um, you know, totally different world. And, um, you know, that comes with it, you can look at it as a perk or a drawback of, you know, you're on the road a lot, and you get to go to a lot of places, but you're gone pretty much every weekend. And, you're living yeah. in gyms and courts and <laughs> all of those things. So sometimes, you know, I was in school and I'd be getting back and it's, you're like rolling in at 11 PM from, you know, Rochester or something and then showing, yeah, showing up at your friend's party when everyone's leaving. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was my life for a long time and it was a really awesome experience and I met some amazing people uh, that I'm still in touch with. Um, and then it's, you know, it's kind of evolved and taken many 
many roads since then. But yeah, my when I started out, it was more in the personal training and then high performance realm, for sure. What was your take during that time? You know, what was your my take? Yeah. What, what were you? What were you? Because you're in a different space now, probably mentally, yeah. physically about it all. But yeah, where yeah. were you back then about it? Oh, I loved it. I like it really kind of fed, you know, I do have this, you know, underlying competitive side. So mm-hmm. I feel like it really, it really kind of fed that. And, you know, I was a female in a predominantly male industry. So like, I feel like that almost fueled me that I wanted to succeed even more in it. Um, you know, back then, my movement practices, my workout practices were a lot more intense. And, you know, at, at the time, that was, you know, something that fed me. But um, yeah, it was it was amazing. But it, then it was also hard. Like I said, you know, you're one of a handful of, of females at the time in that industry. It was, you know, the early 2000s. Um, so it was, you know, I feel like it's a lot different now, especially with all the social medias and like, you know, communities that way. But um, at the time, it served me really well. And it was awesome. And, you know, I got to connect with I was working primarily most of the girls on the feeder team, they were 16, right? So you're working with these girls in their formative years in high schools that are like elite level athletes. So, you know, they taught me, I think, just as much as I taught them. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a great experience. Um, but sometimes I kind of forget that that was part of my life for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? Like you look at something so long ago and you think, did I do that, actually? Like, yeah. is that me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that me? Exactly. Yeah. What'd you do after that? Um, so after that, that's when I, I was got into my master's. So you don't really have time to work that much because we had about 40 hours of class, um, of study and, you know, placements and everything a week. So that's when I just kind of went back over to, to spin, to teaching spinning because you could just, you know, teach a handful of classes a week and it's an hour and it's not a big commitment. So, um, and then, you know, two years, two years later, you're working, right? You're working full time. So I kept teaching spin, though. I taught that for about 10 years and then took a few years off. And now I'm teaching a little bit again, which is fun. But yeah. So what do you think? What's the current state of health, fitness, wellness to you at this point in your mind? Yeah. Oh, here uh, it comes. <laughs> yeah, we, I know. We were kind of jamming on this before. Yeah. I'm we're going to jam torn. on it now. I know. I'm super torn. And I, I feel, you know, I, I mentioned earlier to you, it's like, I don't know if it's like I'm jaded or if it's just that, like, I'm turning 35 this year and I just feel differently about things. But, um, I, I just feel like there's some really, really great industry leaders. And then there's some people that are just really preying on people's insecurity. And there's this whole, you know, photoshopped, Instagrammable, you know, fitness goal. But if you actually look at a lot of those people's lifestyle, it's not well-rounded. It's not healthy. It's, you know, it's, they're feeding on their own insecurities too. And it can get a bit obsessive. Expand on that, like their own lifestyle. I want to know, like, what what do you mean? I mean, I think I know, but it's great for the listeners. So someone who's listening, be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's a certain pressure and I'm sure, you know, you go through this and I definitely went through it when I was a personal trainer, you know, like 
I was doing hit, but I was also spending, you know, two hours of weight training a day because you feel like, and this was like pre Instagram. So for those, those yeah. who are young millennials, this was like pre Instagram, but like, you feel like if I'm a personal trainer, like I need to look a certain way for people to hire me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I need to be their fitness goal. Right. Maybe some mm. people aren't like that. Maybe some people are just like, Oh, I just want someone who's going to motivate me. And like, you know, some people want like, you know, more of a nurturer and some people want more someone hardcore, but you know, there's this pressure with the industry of like, if people are going to hire me, I need to be their goal. So, you know, like you're looking at your nutrition, you're looking at, um, you know, I got to fit in these workouts. I got to make sure that, you know, I'm carrying a certain percentage of body fat. I need to make sure blah, 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 like all these things. Like if you want to be hired, I think, like I said, there's some people that go around it a different way. And, you know, if you are eating as I'm sure, you know, it's the same in your opinion, you know, 80% of your fitness is what you're eating, you know? Yeah. Huge part of it. Huge. You can can spend all the time you want in the gym, but if you're not feeling your body right, you're not going to get the results. So I think, you know, with that wisdom gives a little bit of leniency in terms of how hard you're trained, but it's like, I don't know. It's this pressure that I definitely felt when, when I was a trainer that, you know, you kind of have to get your workouts in, you have to get in all your, your sculpting. You need to look a certain way. You need to, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. And, um, you know, I definitely respect people who do it. And I think, like I said, there's some really great people around it, but, um, I've worked with a lot of people over the years where it's like, they're not actually that healthy, you know, like some people are super healthy and they, they have it down and then like other people and you know it's even it's even coming out with you know some of my my friends and acquaintances around my age and you know there's a little more vulnerability going on right now and people are saying like yeah a couple years ago like I was essentially starving myself to look a certain way Mm. and and portray this image but I was super unhappy you know and yeah um I and I don't remember if I touched on this before like I used to work in in King West in Toronto had a really amazing cycling studio and at the time I was going through like a major health struggle I was dealing with some malabsorption um you know just some compounded stress in my life and and my body wasn't like it wasn't processing nutrients basically like I was you know trying to sort out some of my health stuff so like mm-hmm. I'm 5'9 I was 125 pounds like oh, I wow. was tiny I was I was shredded but like I was not healthy <laughs> But like people would come in class and they would say like, oh, like, what's your diet? Like, like, how do you eat? Like, what do I have to do to achieve that goal? And I was just super blunt with them because I think I, again, had been in the industry too long. And I was like, I'm actually not healthy right now. You don't oh, wow. Like, you said you that know? to them. I did. I wow. did because I was just like, this is what not mal- like malabsorption. Oh, my like. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't want this in your life. But in their eyes, that was their fitness goal. Right. <laughs> anyway um, you're like we don't need to dwell on this okay (laughs) yeah yeah you don't want this but this is the good stuff i think people want to know about that because you know there's a lot of very well there's a lot of people who look extremely fit or like man i love fitness and wellness and they don't have the balls to say what you said they're not going to admit that just straight up saying i think people need to hear that you know we can't shy away from that stuff i think yeah 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 totally and it's like and when you're in it like and i'm sure you know maybe some other people will relate to this if maybe that was part of their journey like when you're in it or like let's say you're in that obsessive mode and you know it's and it's not to to you know put it down like i think 
you know, most people in the industry kind of go through something like that. But um, it's like when you're in that mode, you don't really realize. And then like later, so I would say for me, the, the, you know, the peak of this was around 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, like you look, you think you look normal. And then, you know, six years <laughs> later, when your health is in a better place, you look back and you're like, ooh, I did not look normal. You know? <laughs> and it's, Cause you're just so used to like, that's just what your body looks like. And, yeah. you know, thank, thankfully I've, you know, done a lot of healing uh, with, with my digestion. I'm no longer that tiny, but you yeah. know, it's like at the time, like that's your normal. Right. And it's, yeah. that's the thing is like in my head, I was like, you know, I could feed into their fantasy or I could be straight up with them and just say like, actually this isn't health, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, true. I've, I've so. counseled many people that have had, um, the same exact thing that you've discussed, kind of almost this exercise addiction or orthorexia, this this compulsion mm-hmm. to be overly what they think is healthy. And, yeah. um, you know, people are just working out 20 times a week and all that jazz, you know, and, yeah. and uh, extremely unhealthy. But they said the same thing to me. I feel this need to look a certain way so people will hire me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough, right? And do you think it's more of a? You, you think it's a, a more of a like gender-based thing? Is it more male, female, mm-hmm. or what are your thoughts on that? I don't know because I feel so. I feel in my experience with some male colleagues that it's almost like a reverse body dysmorphia. Like they want to be bulked, right? Like I, I went to school with this guy and, and we used to train together and he used to wake up at 3am and eat trail mix. Cause he's naturally a small guy. And he was like trying to bulk, like he was doing, you know, weight six times a week and all that stuff. And then he realized later through a relationship, like he ended up with a, a girl who distance ran and like, he was like a phenomenal runner. He's like marathon champions, run yeah. Boston, all that stuff. And it's like, he just had to find his sport. Cause he was trying to like gain weight and like up in the middle, like literally kept food by his bed to like eat in the yeah. middle of the night to bulk. And now he's like this super skinny dude, but he's like an incredible marathon runner, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I think, I think we all just, I think when we're trying to fight like our body's natural tendency or not our body, cause we all have that natural still point, that natural health point Yeah. that like when we're really trying to fight it, when we're trying to fight, our natural predisposition that we run into, you know, like not good health. Right. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's, there's so many sides to it. You know, there are a lot of sides to it. So you said 2014 was the peak. What happened after that? Uh, yeah, well I started working. So essentially for me and, you know, maybe this will resonate with someone else. I had like every classical Western, medicine test in terms of digestive health and it's like they couldn't give me any answers like I would end up at the hospital with like stabbing like felt like someone's stabbing in your stomach with a knife Mm -hmm. and um so eventually for me I actually I went to a naturopath and I did a blood test to look for for food allergies with a like a histamine like a reaction in my blood and so with me what it turned out was even though I was eating clean you know you think you know you're eating the way you should be um, I was allergic to pretty much every animal protein. So it's mm. like, yeah, pretty much like it was just like chicken and turkey. Were, so 
you know, you eat your boiled egg, you think you're doing something good. And it's like, <laughs> well, your body's, your body's reacting to that. Right. So I just kind of had this consistent inflammation in my body. And, um, you know, since that time, thankfully I've been able to reverse a lot of that, but, um, yeah, not everyone has that resource. Um, but it was, you know, super frustrating. Like I ate so much, but it's like, you're not, you're not gaining any of those nutrients because, you know, your body just can't, can't process them. So, um, and then the, you know, the last four years I moved out of the city and into nature, which, you know, I look a lot at, uh, yeah, I look a lot at Ayurveda and, you know, our, our dispositions within Ayurveda and what we need with, you know, certain elements. And, and so that was really healing for me. And I actually stopped all workouts except walking my dog and yoga for about four years. Yeah. Whoa. That's a, that's a pretty big change. It was huge. And then only this year have I started spinning again because I just needed time for my body to just chill. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was my life for like 15 years. Right. Yeah. Wow. You're like but transforming, think, you know? Yeah. But I think even <laughs> honestly, just getting out of a city and into nature, like that's so healing. I grew up in nature and then I lived in cities for 13 years and my body just needed trees and needed fresh air. And yeah. I think that's for everybody though. I mean, I, you know, I had a um, guest on and she works a lot of research on zip code health and wow. it's really fascinating research and we're finding out more and more that where you live you know nature versus cities and all that has a huge effect on how well you live and your stress levels and how you feel mm-hmm. i think we're very designed to be very close to nature and yeah i made that decision myself we moved up right near the beach up here in washington state super green super low stress i think it makes a big difference yeah a hundred percent. Like right now, so right now I'm on uh, the Coya Peninsula in Costa Rica and it's a blue zone, right? And yeah. everyone here, it's like, they're so happy. They're so chill. It's like you wake up in the morning, you go for a surf. And then, like, you know, obviously if you live here, you have to go to work, but you go out at yeah. sunset and all the locals are surfing and at the beach with their family. And it's like, like, that's what we need. We one need community. Like we're so disconnected with social media where we think we're connecting, but we're not <laughs> like we need to actually physically be near people and we need to hug and we need to have contact Yes. and we need to have our bare feet and soil. And I listened to a really interesting podcast, I don't know, a year ago, and they were talking about, you know, even if you live in a city and you think you're grounding, like you take your shoes off at the park and you're walking in the grass like what if there's a subway underneath you what if there's like how far down is it before it's actually earth right like Mm. we've just kind of you know built these illusions of of parks and stuff but if you're in a major city like sometimes there's a city underneath the city you know yeah that's true so you know it's really fascinating when you think about it that you know even with your best efforts are are you actually getting the full benefit right but yeah how do we, how do we, I've asked this of a couple guests who are in, you know, health wellness business, because I think it's an interesting question is how do we change this on a large scale? You know, we're such a gigantic country, you know, 360 plus million people and so many different ideas and cultures and things. How do we spread that word in an effective way to so many people? Yeah, that's a really good question. 
Oh, one, I put you on I the think, spot. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I think one thing that, you know, as an industry leader, no matter what industry you're in, that, you know, I think is super important is just like organizing like physical events or physical retreats or, you know, like sure, like if you're in the fitness industry, you might teach your, your group fitness classes, do your personal training, but like what about like taking people on a retreat to a place where it's nature and, you know, mm. they're getting that in with it or, um, you know, I think a, a really big thing. And I think it starts a lot with the youth is, and I don't know if you've noticed this, it's like you see kids and they're with their friends and maybe they're at a park or maybe they're wherever you're at in the city. And like, they're standing there with their friends, but they're all on their phones. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, pretty it's like this pandemic of like disconnected connection. And I yes. think, you know, one of the best things we can do for our health, even if you look at these countries that like don't even necessarily eat the healthiest, like Italy and all of these places, it's like they don't go from work to their house to their locked door. Like, they <laughs> go from work out to like a local bar. Maybe they're yep. drinking with their friends, having a meal. It could be super rich food. But if you look at their rate of heart disease, it's super low because like, yes, our, our heart is physical and, you know, we have to deal with cholesterol. We have to deal with things like this. But if you, you look at some studies, you know, they speak to community, like people who have community and feel that they have people to, to call on and, you know, they, f they fill up their hearts with how they live their day. Like their heart yeah. health is actually better despite the foods that they're eating that we in North America say are bad for you because right. they have, they have community, you know, they're not going home and eating their dinner behind a locked door watching Netflix. Like, you know, they're, they're out and they're, you know, consciously eating with their friends and they're filling up, you know, their heart by being in community. And a lot of, I think a lot of the stresses that we have in our life and a lot of the disease um, is from a lack of community. You know? So with you, I'm so with you there. Well, there's so much statistics now about the level of loneliness that people have. Yeah. Incredibly lonely human beings, which you look on the outside, you think, how is that possible? But I totally get it. I can see why. You know? Yeah. Well, and like I'm in, I live in a small town now and I would say like half the town probably doesn't lock their doors. Yeah. Like we do because, you know, my husband grew up in like a gang neighborhood when he was a kid. Yeah, he's, he's like, are you he's crazy? He's like... <laughs> I know. Yeah. He's never lived somewhere like this. But, you know, like the majority of people don't even lock their doors like a friend pops over, they knock once and they just open your door and they walk yep. into your house. Right. But like in the city, everything's locked, you know, in Toronto, I lived in a small building. So we actually knew our neighbors. We spent Christmas dinner with them once, you know, yep. things like that. But like so many people, it's like you get home, you lock your window, you, you close your curtains, you, you know, and it's like, yeah. everything is so private and cut off. And we, you know, have this fakeness where you ask someone how they are and they say, I'm good before they even <laughs> register your question. And it's like, if you actually, like, I don't know, like, try this sometime. If someone says, how are you? If you actually tell them how you are, like, oh, actually today, like, I'm a little tired or, you know, I'm, yep. you know, feeling this X, Y, Z, like, it's not a standard response. Like, they'll actually be confused because they're just no, expecting I've you done to say, this I'm before. good and keep walking. Yeah. I've totally like, done this the before. Like, the time they're gone. Yeah. I actually, when somebody asks me that, I mean what I say. Like, I'm I'm having a pretty fantastic time, like, 98% of the time. If I'm yeah. not, I'm like, I just don't feel good today. I feel like dog shit right now. You know, like, yeah. but most people, you're right. It's like a pre-recorded answer, right? You know? Yeah. And half the time, the person who asks you is already three feet past you before you even respond, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like... 
how are you? And they're gone. Like, they don't even care what your answer is. You People know? won't even talk so. to you, though, sometimes. Like, Washington <laughs> State's great. People are very, very nice. Like, you walk down the street, everybody, people are waving to you. You don't know them. They're, they want to talk to yeah. you. But there's a lot of cities where, like, people will put their head down. When I lived in Las yeah. Vegas, nobody talked to each other. When you walked mm. past them, it was like, let me put my head down. I don't even want to make eye contact with you. I thought it was very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, how how's the health of the people there, right? Right. You know. Yeah. It's a big issue, I think, and how we treat each other. Like you said, you know, fill up your heart with community. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of the whole Blue Zones deal is that, you yeah. know, uh, I was I think it's with Ikigaiwa or something like that. Yeah, there's a spot in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, ba- we're like people connect and they they form these almost like groups that they take their with their friends forever, literally until they die, like pretty close friendships. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful thing, but the key, it's simple. It's more than just exercise and nutrition. There's there's a huge community element to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How does that influence your life? Like, how do you see, like, where you're at now and how you want to continue to progress in your health and wellness? Welcome to the intermission space of Dr. D's social network. Today's topic and discussion with Kara Foley. It's a lot about where you are in your health and wellness journey. Are you obsessed or really focused on how your body looks, how your body feels in the skin that it's in, how others perceive it, or are you focused on a holistic version of yourself? Wherever you are in your journey, have action and intention towards something greater than yourself with your body. I hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation with Kara Foley. Yeah, so so for me, actually, what ended up happening is we opened a wellness center where we live now. So we're actually creating community, which is pretty cool. So yeah. um, that's like a big, a big part of what we do. So, you know, I work ex- number of hours in my holistic physiotherapy practice um but to be honest a lot of the things i'm seeing in people with chronic pain is so i do a lot of um, acupuncture and craniosacral therapy mm-hmm. and a lot of what a lot of what you're working with is like stagnant energy like things that aren't expressed you know and it it's super fascinating um like people after you know a triple bypass like you just mm-hmm. like there's like this huge stagnant energy in their chest from the trauma but also from the dealing, like all of a sudden you're faced with your immortality, right? Like there's this huge chunk of that. And um, I think that, you know, by creating community and creating places where people can talk about that stuff or like even just creating a safe space for them to talk one-on-one about it. Yeah. Um, that's a huge part of what I'm doing now. And, and, you know, we opened, we're a small town we're like 4,000 people and we opened a yoga studio and like, it's kind of pulling teeth to get some people in the door, but, it's like once they come once and they feel that community energy of the room and like we have a men's yoga class because when I lived in the city, sometimes it'd be mostly men in a class where we live now. It's like the men are like kind of they feel a little more the macho type where like, yeah. oh, I don't know, yoga is not for me. And so like we had to give them their own class and then they come and they all know each other and they're joking around before and it's, you're, you know, bonding over this experience of of yoga and 
their special time. And so, so that's where we're at now. And then um, a big piece of community that my husband and I are looking to build over this next year is, um, so we went through a journey with cancer. So, Mm -hmm. and there's a huge, like my husband was 29 when he was diagnosed. So at that age, like there is no community, like your friends are worried about getting married and having kids and you know, all of the quote normal things. And you're just like, I'm just hoping you're around next year, you know? So, um, so actually what we're going to be doing is, is building an online community so that you can be anywhere in the world. Um, an online community uh, with mindfulness practices and, you know, all these, all these different facets of physical and mental health um, within an online program. And then we're hoping that that will expand to like in-person retreats or gatherings um, in the future, but just building, building that community first, because that's somewhere where you do feel really alone. And it's somewhere where community is so important. You know, like we had resources where we were, like we're in Canada. So one, we had medical resources. Right. Um, Two, we had the best friends people could have in the world. What hands down, Um, the best friends, the most supportive friends and and family. But not everyone has that. Very true. Not everyone. Not everyone has. You know, like a wife who's who's a physio and plugged into meditation and plugged into all these things. So. Um, we just want to kind of create a community around that. And then the other piece is we've actually been down here doing a lot of, a lot of networking and stuff. Every time I come, it's like, I just bump into the same people and, um, we're going to actually be bringing people here to this blue zone, uh, next year for a yoga meditation surf retreat. So our, the work is going to evolve. Like my work, I feel very strongly about creating that community. So I do believe it's going to evolve you know, a little more out of my office and a little more into these, these community gatherings to build, you know, wellness in a group and, and, you know, get these skills and, and get this medicine that we're all just so severely lacking. Um, Yeah. So that's, I think where it's going to evolve because I feel like that's where I've done the most healing in my life is, is going, going through the hard things and, and finding the paths and then coming out the other side and, and a huge part of that is community. Mm. That's wonderful. I mean, it's beautiful. And I think it's also, it's part of growing up, of, of growing mm-hmm. as, as a person, as you start to figure things out a little bit more. Where, what else yeah. do you want to tackle in your life that you, like it's community and things of that nature. Where do you see the other elements that you want to tackle in your own journey? Um, hmm. That's a very broad question. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could take it anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, and I don't know if I'm interpreting this wrong, but for me in terms of tackling, it's just like, I really just want to redefine the path. You know, I feel like we can put ourselves so easily in these boxes. Um, mm-hmm. We can put ourselves so easily in these titles and that's, you know, something I kind of struggle with at this point in my career. And I think, you know, in the health and wellness field, in the medical field, like there's this kind of, I don't know if you resonate with this, but this kind of like 10 year mark where you're like, definitely in the health field, like definitely within like medicine, massage, physio, there's this 10 year mark where you're like, 
this is really, you know, it wears on you. It wears on your body. It wears on, you know, your emotions because you're just, you're just listening to people's problems all day and solving yeah. their problems. And, you know, it's, it can be quite exhausting. I love it. I'm super passionate about it, but there's this kind of mark and this pivotal point. And, you know, for me, this redefinition is like utilizing this background, but repackaging it. But it's difficult when you work, you know, you work so hard. The U.S. is very similar to Canada and that it's, I believe you guys have mostly moved to a doctorate, but it's pretty much the same amount of school. Right. So it's like you spend seven years in university and you work your ass off to get this degree and you work your ass off to get this license and keep this license and all these pieces. And it's, you know, a big part of your identity and perhaps within your family unit. Like I know within my family unit, it's a big point of pride for my parents and um, you know, to them, it's a secure job. It's, you know, all these great things. But then you hit this point where you're like, I don't know how much this is serving me anymore. And I don't know if that's because I've just gone down the rabbit hole with my yoga and spiritual journey where mm-hmm. I'm more sensitive to that. Um, so for me, this, this thing that I really want to tackle is I want to redefine how, one, how anatomy is taught within the yoga world, because for the most part, it is not taught well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I'm super passionate about. Like my biggest pet peeve, and, you know, maybe one of yours, like when I, even when I did my personal training certificate, like they simplified the anatomy to where they like named an attachment wrong just to make it easier. Right. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I really want to redefine, you know, at, at least within creating my own programming, you know, how this is taught, you know, personal training is different because you need to know more, you know, action, intention, things like that. It's more direct, like, especially if you're doing bodybuilding, it's more yeah. direct movement. But I really want to redefine like functionally teaching anatomy within yoga teacher training so that people actually understand the importance of sequencing, you know, and, yeah, and understand So, you know, that's a major way that I want to take my career and repackage it. And then I'm still honoring all of, you know, the school and the years of experience and all of these things um, that I'm not just like throwing that away. Um, And then I'm, again, more immersed in that community. You know, to me, it's I just feel like that's becoming more and more prominent that I just want to be involved in building these bubbles of community and also, you know, helping people really thrive, you know, within, within this industry that I'm in now, you know, to really understand how the body works so that you can help more people that way. It's kind of like, I want to see, like go from one-on-one to like, how can I repackage to impact the most people in this lifetime? Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Like, Let's see. How can you spread? How can you spread that a little further? That's interesting. I I like to ask that with people just because everybody thinks has they have a different definition of how <laughs> they want to progress. Yeah. And like yours sounds like you're moving to a larger scale as many people, whereas like I look at myself and I my focus is primarily on one on one, like dealing with people one on one one at a time, which is not a huge scale. You can't create a lot of scale with that, but it's also just where my heart is. I just love these one-on-one conversations. It's the reason why I have a podcast and why I don't have like a group panel or something. I like Mm -hmm. talking to people one-on-one, kind of that 
sitting by the beach having a conversation with one person you care about at a time type of thing, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's yeah. so different for everybody, though. And But I feel I feel where you're going, though, because I I feel a sense like I've become way more involved in like plant based medicine um, yeah. for people, you know, uh, meditation, but not in the not in the sense that I think a lot of people think where you're like sitting down and you're meditating, but more of like looking at exercise as meditation or conversation. Mm -hmm. I get in a meditative state when I do these podcasts. It becomes mm -hmm. a real sense of oneness and mm -hmm. and my thoughts become very laser focused with another person. It's meditation for me, you know. So the yeah, twenty year old me would be like, that's bullshit, you know, like when I was yeah. twenty. <laughs> well and to me it's like where do you get into flow state, right? Yeah, like exactly. everyone's gonna be different. You know, whether whether you're looking at it from just like a personality point of view or whether you're looking at it from like an Ayurvedic disposition or for some people, astrology, like, oh, I move too much because I'm an X, Y, Z, so yeah. I can't sit and meditate. OK, but like where in your life do you find flow state? You know, exactly. where I am right now, a lot of people here, it's like a lot of them do yoga, but most of them surf. And for them, surfing is their meditation. You exactly. Know, you're sitting, right. you're waiting out the ocean and and it's like. You know, we've had people, I've had people come into the studio and, you know, maybe they're, you know, a more traditional religion, like a Catholic or something like that. And mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I don't believe in meditation because they believe that, you know, God is found outside the self, whereas a mm -hmm. lot of meditations are finding the power within, right? So right. it's like, okay, but like, where in your life do you feel in the flow? And they'll say like, oh, I'm an artist or I'm a whatever. And like, that's your meditation, right? Exactly. Like, we don't, it's like, where are you in touch with yourself? And, and I feel you on the one-on-one, -on -one, but it's it's interesting because it's the way that I want to define my life in the next phases of my career are to give myself more time freedom to have one-on-one -on -one time with those people I love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, and it's, and it's this being in the health and the service industry where, you know, there's this, this old paradigm where before all of these new technologies, we had to make our money one-on-one. -on -one, right. Yeah. That's how we had to do it. Yeah. Um, but now it's, you know, should you choose to leverage the tools, you can create more time freedom to have more one on one time with your family or your loved ones. Yeah. And and that's kind of what what I'm looking at at this phase is, you know, where can I where can I put in the work to create more time freedom? I think the key phrase is should you choose for that? Yeah. And I think for everybody, yeah. that's a very Some personal decision, are, you know? Yeah. And some people are totally happy doing one-on-one -on -one, the same career their whole life. But I'm like, I'm just too fluid and I get drawn in all these ideas <laughs> and all these pieces. And it's like, yeah. you know, you get pulled and it's you either trust that pull or, or you stay where you are. Right. So, yeah. yeah. But again, this is also, you know, coming from a place of, of my experience over the last six years of having cancer drop into my life with several loved right. ones and just right. being like, I work so much. I barely have time to see these people, you yeah. know, and, and it's a problem for a lot like, of people. You know? Yeah. And like, what, where's your priority or why does this keep showing up? Why does this message keep showing up and how, how can I shift things to drop into how to me I'm being asked to live? you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a very powerful perspective. I think that's a common. 
of hours. And that was a big thing for me is like now I'm in a space in my life where all my work is remote. So I'm at home all the time mm. and go to the beach whenever I want, relaxed all the time. And uh, but in the version of how I like to do it. And so whatever that is for yourself, I think, you know, pursue that. If it's pulling you, move towards it. Yeah, you know, and exactly and feel good about it and honor that feeling that you have yeah. for it. You know, I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years from now. I can't say, well, I'm going to be at this level of consciousness and my feeling mm. about the business and all that. I just can continue to honor the feelings that I have. Like, yeah, I, start, I started a podcast because I felt it, that overwhelming feeling come over me to do it. And who knows? It's going really good so far. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So, you know, exactly. I, I meet somebody like you. I see your profile on a site and I go, Kara, there's something there. I'm going to mm -hmm. honor my feeling of reaching out to her and just see where that leads in the mm -hmm. conversation, you know? Yeah. Now you're broadcasting from Costa Rica. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Life's pretty good. <laughs> Life is good. And right. You can say that life is good. How beautiful yeah. is that? You know? Yeah. That's you know, incredible. it's like you you can you can complain about a lot of things, but it's like you know what? In this moment, life is pretty freaking good. You know, it's great. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> Messages the same from way. you know people at home stuck in this blizzard, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go surfing. See you oh later. my gosh, that's just, amazing. Just, like, just hoping that someone's nice and plows my driveway before I get home. You know? like, <laughs> You're like, if not, I'll deal with it then. Yeah. Somebody. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're in Canada, Ontario, right? Come on, people, yeah. let's go. You know. Yeah. So, but so I think you going. made a. Please take care of it. But you made a great statement, and I'm hearing this more and more about meditation. Is don't feel like it's in a box of like, hey, you got to get out your phone or you got to listen to some tape, and it's somebody with really a wonderful voice, and you're sitting there and your legs crossed. That's good. That's totally good. Yeah. But that doesn't have to be you. I know a lot of yeah. people who are like, I'm very. Like, I don't want to do that. I want, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, let's just see what gets you into that yeah. low state that you feel that vibration, you know? Well, and movement's so powerful for that, right? Yes. Because a lot of what we do with meditation is one, we're checking in with our body, right? So I was mm -hmm. doing a yoga psychology training and Lauren Roche is this, um, he translated this beautiful, it's one of my favorite books. He translated the Radiant Sutras, which is a, a tantric text and he translated it essentially into poetry. Okay. And he came and he spoke with us and his wife is a dancer. And when he was translating this text, he would read her the translations and she would move and feel it in her body. And you know, what he said was so powerful because at one point he was at an ashram, he was becoming a monk. And, you know, when you're in that setting, and this is what we tend to think of with meditation is empty the mind, right? When you're in that setting, you know, and he said, and all you have to do for the day is sweep the floor, do some yoga and meditate. You can empty your mind. When you're a householder, as most of us are, You've got to-do lists, you have good days, you have bad days, you have all of these things. And what it is, is this opportunity to check in with our body and check in with our mind and say, like, what's up with you today? Because how often do you take even two minutes in your day and say, hey, Darian, what's up with you today? Right. You know, how are you feeling? How's your body feeling? How's your mind feeling? How's your breath? And I think what's so powerful about movement is whether or not we realize it, we drop into our breath. So if you're running, you know, you get a deeper breath. 
if you're cycling or sprinting, you get a deeper breath. If you're working out and you're, you know, practicing breathing techniques to maximize your power, you're doing breath work, right? Right. So, you know, no matter what it is, or it's, you know, you're listening to music and you're a dancer and you're lost in the music, or like you said, you're having a conversation and you're in that flow state, or, you know, you go, you go for a walk and you don't plug anything into your ears and you just listen to the wind and the birds and, you know, the, the sound of people around you, like whatever it is, wherever you're tapping in and you're taking a moment for yourself, why can't we call that meditation? Right. Cause it's just checking in with yourself. It's saying like, Hey, what's up with you today? Where are you at? Right. Oh, that's amazing. And you know, it's, there's this sense of, you know, time dilation with meditation, mm. whatever form it takes is that you start, you know, the whole saying back, I'm sure, you know, like time flies when you're having fun, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's basically essentially the same thing is that time, uh, becomes, uh, you get in touch with time and the existence of time in a very different way. Your relationship with time changes when you get in that state. It's a slowing down of time or like time becomes irrelevant in some sense. You're not thinking about, is it 4.30 now? You know, mm -hmm. is it like 5.20? What? It's like you yeah. just be, you become lost in time and space. And all of a sudden, when you're done, you're like, whoa, what happened? It's like two hours. What what happened here? You know, like, mm -hmm. I think that's the state. Whatever that state is for you, you should you should pursue that. It doesn't have to be yeah. a traditional means of you don't have to go to a, a class at your facility and called meditation and do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to do that, that's great. But you do not have to be beholden mm -hmm. to that and say, oh, you're not really meditating. You know, like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, it's. It's an it's, it's different. An, it's different. It's, different it's, a, it's a different discussion yeah. that I think more people need to have about what exactly, what form can that take? The form doesn't have to be what is society says it is for. Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. It's very fascinating. You know what? You're all right. Okay, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right too. <laughs> You're okay. You know, you got some good ideas. We'll keep those ideas, you know. Well, listen, I don't want to take you away from beautiful Costa Rica. I just want to have a little bit of your time. Hear oh, your thoughts. Oh, yeah, no worries. And um I'm grateful for your time. I'm happy that you're enjoying surfing and beach time and you know, you're in your flow state. So hopefully exactly. this, this is my some, soul's place. This, this is, is your soul's place. place. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. We're going to bring a group here next year and it's going to become some other people's place too, I think. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's well, whenever that is, uh, let me know. I'm happy to send that out to my listeners and all that. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. We, know. Uh, we're just waiting to hear back. We we're just waiting to hear back from some of the places and make our decision and get our availability, but for sure I'll pass it along. Excellent. It's pretty special here. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Thank you so much for your time, Kara. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Okay, bye.